All the way from California, some of you guys. Good to have you all here. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. We want to look at verses 8 through 10 tonight. Uh, Believers are complete in Christ. If you're looking for the center emphasis of the book, uh, this would be it. I mean, here's the central... The central thrust, the, the, the great emphasis in terms of being uh, sufficient in Christ. And let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to assemble in Jesus' name, to look into the Word of God now, to sing your praises. Uh, thank you for each one that's able to come out. Pray it be a time of uh, edification, a time we will uh, know that we have met with you, the living God. Thank you for being our teacher. Uh, Lord, you use human teachers like me, but you're the ultimate teacher behind the scenes, the Holy Spirit working. So, Lord, we commit our time of study to you now. Ask your blessing on our time of, of sharing in the word and then the prayer time to follow. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, we note uh, the theme is the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Chapter 1, tremendously strong emphasis on the person of Christ uh, as the one who is cr- the creator of all. In him all things consist and so forth. And then also on the, uh, the finished work of Christ, that he is a reconciler of all, as we have noted. And uh, Paul strives then, as he says at the end of verse, uh, at the end of chapter 1, he strives to share with every man. We preach him warning every man, verse 28, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This is a summary of Paul's ministry, warning everybody, teaching everybody, seeking to bring them to maturity in Christ uh, so that when we stand before him, we will receive a a good reward on Judgment Day. Well, as we move into uh, chapter 2, we note there uh, tremendous emphasis, again, on the sufficiency of Christ. We get to chapter 2, verse 3, speaking of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then verse 4 follows that. Now this, I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. There's a lot of deception out here, away from the simplicity of Christ, the sufficiency that's found in Christ. And that's why the warning is placed right there after emphasizing that in Christ all wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Well, we grow in our faith. We moved on, and we saw last time as we finished out our study, verse 6 and 7, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. And how do we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By faith. He says, so walk in him. Be consistent with the truth that you have come to know in saving faith, in terms of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you. And so he says to grow in relationship to that. Rooted, build up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. So uh, exhortation to persevere, to press on uh, in the faith and to grow in the faith uh, as we continue. All right. Uh, Well, let's uh, get into our study here tonight and uh, let's read verse 8. Who wants to read verse 8 for us? Anybody? Yeah, Marianne? Okay, thank you. So beware means to, uh, mine says beware. Yours says what, watch out? Oh, see to it. Yeah, so yeah, the idea of be, be alert, uh, be aware, watch out. Uh, there's danger here. And uh, again, uh, you know, when, when my girls would go out when they were still at home, I'd always tell them to watch out for their surroundings, right? There's danger out here. 
You got to be aware. You got to be careful. That's what Paul is saying here. Uh, Watch out. And again, we have between verse 3, in Christ are are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then as we're on our way to verse 9, in him dwells uh, all the fullness of the Godhead. Right in the middle here, we have verse 8, which again is another warning, uh, another danger warning, lest anyone uh, cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit and so forth. So there is tremendous danger uh, spiritually. The glorious truth of Christianity is that all we need to know about everything spiritual, about everything that relates to God and eternity, is found in Christ. Verse 8, therefore, shows the danger of being led astray in that regard. You think, well, my goodness, we'd never get off track on that, would we? Yeah, we do. It it is amazing how things come in, and in a subtle way, uh, to corrupt the truth of sufficiency in Christ. That's really the great issue uh, in the context here. Beware, he says, lest anyone cheat you uh, through philosophy and empty deceit. The word cheat is the idea of carrying off spoils in the context of uh, war, a time of war, be that, that idea of uh, taking captive or, or being, uh, we might say, hijacked. Uh, don't let anyone hijack you. Don't let anyone hijack you away from the truth of Christ's sufficiency. Uh, that's really what's being emphasized here. Again, verse uh, 4, uh, Now this I say, lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. Now again here in verse 8, Uh, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. So he has a great concern that we not be uh, hijacked, that we not be led astray uh, concerning the truth that's found in Jesus Christ. Lest anyone cheat you, and he specifically spells it out, through philosophy. Any philosophers here? (laughs) Yes, you're all philosophers of one kind or another. Uh, But uh, he's he's talking about a certain thing here. Uh, Philosophy literally means love of wisdom has a definite article, the love of wisdom that characterizes the world that is apart from Jesus Christ in dependence upon his sufficiency. Uh, don't let anyone cheat you through, through philosophy. Uh, really, the idea of philosophy here is theories about God, uh, the meaning of life. And uh, again, we're talking about religious philosophies here, questions that relate to the basics of life. Uh, Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Meaning and purpose. Ultimately, he's talking about all the things that we have in Jesus Christ that the world tries to answer in another way. They're always trying to look for answers, uh, which are found ultimately, life's ultimate questions are found uh, with answers only in Jesus. So uh, the love of philosophy in terms of, of the world really exalts human reason. That's what it does. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're forced with a choice. Are you going to go with what God says or are you going to go with human, human reason? And uh, the love of philosophy, the love of wisdom, uh, really goes with human reasoning. That, that's what it does. And that's the great issue here in this whole context here. Uh, and you really can't hold to both. The Gnostics, you know, they, they said, hey, we have some secret. In, in addition to what God has revealed through the apostles in the Old Testament, uh, we have this secret insight for initiates. People come along and say, I've got some special insight here. Uh, boy, you better be reading the scripture when you say that, because uh, otherwise it's heresy. 
Uh, often Christians feel intimidated by the world, so in order to come off credible and respectable, they begin to compromise simple truth of the Bible. Take, for example, the creation account. It's really not that difficult. Not really. Not if you just take it straightforward for what it says. For Exodus 20, verse 11, is very clear. In six days, you know, not six uh, million years, <laughs> in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Uh, the heavens, all that is in them, the earth, the sea, all that is in them, very comprehensive. And then rested the seventh day. Uh, you know, when, when we take that in terms of uh, how God then relates that to the Sabbath, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Uh, everybody with any understanding realizes the Sabbath was the seventh day, which was the day of Saturday, right? And so it's not like, you know, God took, you know, six long periods of time and then rested one, uh, one great long period of time. No, the correlation is very clear. We're talking about uh, 24-hour days here. Just one example there. Here's the, the great issue. In view, in our text very specifically, is philosophy that is contrary to Christ. This is philosophy that tries to make sense out of life apart from Christ or with a perverted view of Christ. In Colossians 1, Paul at great length developed the truth of who Christ is as the preeminent one. He is the creator, sustainer of all. The whole of life revolves around him. And then Paul emphasized Christ as reconciler of all. So the great concern of Paul is that no one comes along with philosophy that has a wrong view of Christ and therefore says Christ is not the full answer to life's ultimate questions. The great issue in the church today is to have a proper view of Christ. That is the ultimate issue. Everything else flows from that in our understanding and living. And that is the great issue in the book of Colossians. I think i got one more here. <clears throat> Paul is not saying it is wrong to study various philosophies or to know about them. Rather, the concern is that God's people not be taken captive in their thoughts by philosophy that takes away from or distorts the truth of Christ. In a sense, everyone is a philosopher. That is to say, everyone has a worldview. They have a lens through which they see the world. For the Christian, we see life and eternity through the lens of Christ. And that must not be compromised. For us, Christ is the measurement of all that claims to be true. And so really, that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, what lens do you see life through? We see it through the lens of Christ, and we see Christ as all-sufficient for everything we need spiritually related to life. Okay, um, and then he says... Uh, through philosophy and empty deceit. Really, more literally, through philosophy, which is empty deceit, is the idea here. And so it's really kind of a qualifying philosophy, uh, which is empty deceit. Uh, these are empty lies. Uh, you know, everything else out here people come up with as far as theories uh, are really empty vacuums, spiritual vacuums. Uh, there is no truth to them, no substantive truth. Okay, um, all right, that's kind of halfway through the verse. Anyone have anything, Want any input there before we move on? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 right, right, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, amen. Yeah. I, I, no kidding. Isn't that the truth? And, and they're, they're, they keep trying, but it's just getting worse and worse. And it's how, the further we get from God as a society, the worse it gets. I mean, they can't figure this out, though. They keep trying, blaming somebody and this. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right. And, and even right here in Colossians, he covered a few weeks ago, I think it's verse 16, verse 16, for by him all things were uh, evolved through millions of years. Sure, right. N- New World Translation. <laughs> <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. No. no. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can see why the devil attacks Genesis so strongly. I mean, everything except for the church is, is grounded in Genesis. Church is a, a whole new thing, but everything else related to the family, morality, uh, the whole of life. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, anything else? Okay, let's press on here. Don't let anyone cheat you through philosophy or, and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Uh, according to the tradition of, of men. Now, really, the idea here is that which is given from one to another. That's literally talking about tradition. Uh, that which is given uh, from one to another. Now, there's good tradition and there's bad tradition, right? Yeah, when we talk about, uh, in the Bible, we talk about, uh, Paul talked about the traditions the apostles have handed down. In other words, it was handed down from the apostles to us. It's the idea of what is handed down. Well, it's good. It came from the apostles. And where did they get it? Right. They got it from the Lord. It's an inspired, inspired word of God from, from uh, the Lord himself. So, yeah, it's fine if something's handed down from the apostles because it was handed down from God to them. Uh, apostolic tradition is, is one thing. But... Other tradition, church traditions, uh, you know, things that develop as you go along in time that we all of a sudden attach sacredness to. It's like, oh, watch out. Watch out for that. Watch out for ideas that are contrary to revelation. Apostles. Uh, it relates to the apostles. Apostolic relate. No, that's, that's a good question. No, it relates. Uh, apostolic, I mean, by that I mean that which relates to the apostles. Yeah. Yeah, apostolic, apostles, yeah. Good question. Okay. Um, Now, in contrast to uh, the philosophy of men, uh, we have, uh, as I say, the the traditions of the apostles. Well, we're we're okay with that. But as far as the traditions of men, it stops with man. Man is the source of it, and and that's where where the problem is. I like what uh, Schaefer says here. When you get to the bottom, the question about ultimate meaning is this. Is this God's word on it, or is it simply man's spin? Man's spin is simply empty deceit, no matter how impressive it might come off. And it does. They have persuasive words, as we saw in verse 4. As Francis Schaeffer said, man cannot begin with himself and arrive at ultimate reality. How true that is. Uh, If we're just looking at our ideas, it's very shallow. God's the one we have to look to. So, uh, according to the tradition of men, 
according to the basic principles of the world. What are the basic principles of the world? This is used three times by Paul. He uses it in Galatians and twice here in Colossians chapter 2. Basic principles of the world. Uh, principles is the idea of basic things uh, or elementary, elementary principles. And uh, really, I think it's kind of the idea of simplistic thinking that doesn't see further than your own nose. <laughs> Very simplistic. Yes. That's one possibility in terms of interpretation. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, elementary principles can mean elemental spirits. You know, that's one of the, one of the ways it, it, it is used. And so, you know, we're, we're having some discussion. The, the, the commentaries would have some discussion. The scholars would have some discussion. Is how do we take this? Do we take this as... Uh, the basic principles of the world related to the basic values of the world, which really relate to self-orientation, that, that it finds its wisdom in self, uh, as we're talking about wisdom here. Or are we talking about uh, a spiritual realm related to the demonic realm, as this is, I often say, the devil's world in terms of the world system. And that's kind of where we're going with that, that thought there. So it could be really a combination of things, but the basic principles of the world, I think, relates to the basic values of the world. And the world has its values related to, uh, you know, Christ talks about this. didn't talk about this specifically, but when he says to Peter, uh, get behind me, Satan. You, you don't savor the things of, of, of God, but the things of men. Kind of makes a correlation there. And, and so, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I think so. I think that's true. Yeah. I I, would, I agree. Yeah. We're not talking. We're kind of splitting hairs there. It could be one way or the other, but it's really pretty close as far as the, the main emphasis is coming through. So yeah, that's that's right. That's good. Um, note, uh, following up on what you said, Albert. You beat me to the punch here. That's good. Uh, scholars also point out that this word is used in reference to the elemental spirits of the universe, thought as controlling forces of nature. If understood this way, Paul may be saying that, that the system of air in view was promoted by demons or that the subject matter of the air involved a wrong teaching about angels. And there is a strong emphasis on this in the book of Colossians, especially as we move on in chapter 2 here. The context certainly has that in view. Also note the language of fullness in verse 9 and the language of principality and power in verse 10, uh, which Paul uses elsewhere, like in Ephesians 6.12, in relationship to demonic uh, powers, hierarchy and, and authority uh, in the demonic realm. And also, there's a context to the word fullness, as we will see as we get into verse 9, relating to uh, Gnostic thought, taught that there were these emanations, where there was kind of a partial, uh, some partial deity, and, and you know, the, the more you get closer to the ultimate deity you know, it gets fuller. Well, he's saying, no, in Christ is the full thing here. So what I'm saying is there's a whole surrounding context there that would maybe argue for that view. Okay, um, but notice the bottom line, he says all of this, uh, philosophy, empty deceit, tradition of men, basic principles of the world, which are not according to Christ. There's the bottom line. 
Uh, None of these things line up with Jesus Christ, which is ultimately the issue here. After describing at some length the nature of misleading philosophy, Paul states the crux of the matter by which all false teaching can be discerned. Namely, it's not according to Christ. That's the whole thing. Here in this single phrase is the whole issue. The problem is that it is not according to Christ. We are to watch out for whatever does not line up with the truth of Christ. The way you discern what is true and what is false is by measuring it up against Christ. Christ is the source and the content of truth. So there's, there's the, the real issue. Uh, that phrase there, not according to Christ, is the governing idea in terms of the whole error, all kinds of error that he's talking about. Uh, you can measure it all up against Christ. It's kind of like when you have all kinds of counterfeits. If you have the real thing and you know what the real is, you measure everything up against that. And Christ is the real. All right. Any other thoughts here before we get into verses 9 and 10? Yeah, Michael? Right. Amen. Well said. I think there are, there are lots of good issues out here. And, and I've thought about writing an earnestly contending letter called The Danger of Good Issues. <laughs> where, where the issue becomes anything and everything except Christ. And then you find yourself in league with all kinds of people who really don't share the truth of Christ. And all of a sudden you find yourself in an interesting yoke, uh, yoking together, which is what you're talking about. That's, that's a great point. Bill, did you have your hand up? Yeah. Yeah.
Right. Well, amen. Right. Well, amen. That's right. That's right. Yes, Kurt. Right. Yeah. Well, amen, brother. Amen. Very good. All right. Anyone else? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, amen. That's right. Okay. Very good. Good discussion. Let's have somebody read verses nine and ten. They go together. Who wants to read that? Nine and ten. Yeah, Mac. Okay, verse 9 is certainly a key verse in the book. Uh, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. MacArthur rightly says verse 9 is perhaps the most definitive statement of Christ's deity in the Gospels. Uh, In (laughs) epistles, I can read. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, that well may be true. It is certainly one of them. It is a very strong statement as, as we will see. I guess I got another statement here, too. If you're looking for God, you need to look no further. He is found completely in the person of Christ. Realize the background to this statement is in Colossians 2.9. Uh, the false Gnostic teachers claimed that from the supreme God, there came a series of descending emanations. This chain of emanations was supposedly made up of angelic beings that had something of the divine in them, but not the fullness of God. The fullness of God was considered the sum total of the supreme God And all these emanations, that was the fullness, as Gnostic thought considered it. So you took into consideration all these emanations. That's the fullness of God. Well, look at what he goes on to say here. Uh, In him, in Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It dwells in him. Uh, Dwells means to settle down, to be at home. And, And by the way, Uh, It's present tense, meaning this is an ongoing reality uh, that never changes. It's uh, it's permanent. Uh, And really what we have in Jesus Christ bodily, uh, the Godhead, uh, God represented in Jesus Christ, is a permanent ongoing reality. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's a full package. Uh, Full deity, the sum total of God is represented in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, notice the the word fullness here, but not just fullness. Fullness by itself would be full, right? I mean, that'd be the full reality, 
fullness. It stands by it on its own. But then he really strengthens it, all the fullness. He's making it uh, the strongest emphasis possible. Uh, in him dwells all the fullness. It can't get any fuller than this. Can't get any more than this. And of what? Of the Godhead bodily. Of the Godhead bodily. Note this combination, all the fullness of the Godhead. That is full deity in combination with bodily. That is full humanity. Some false teachers, on the one hand, denied the full deity of Christ. On the other hand, other false teachers denied the full humanity of Christ. Paul says they're all wrong. Christ is fully God and fully man in one person forever. In his person forever dwells the reality of the fullness of deity in humanity. That's really what he's saying in this short verse here. Brings them all together. Fully God, fully man, forever. Uh, for all eternity. The incarnation, this is uh, Robert Gramacki, the incarnation presupposes a permanent union between the divine and the human natures in Christ. He did not surrender his deity at his incarnation, and he did not give up his humanity at his resurrection. (laughs) It's a good thought. Um, He's always been God. He did not cease to be God at the time he took on humanity at the incarnation. He continued to have his deity. And then in his death and followed by his resurrection, you know, he didn't leave behind uh, his uh, humanity either. I mean, you have both in one person uh, forever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the thing is that he's not, he's already lost that battle. Yeah. Christ is already present in human form. Well, that's a good point. Amen to that. That's good. Amen. Very good. So, um, it is crucial we get this right. You know, both the, the person of Christ, he is God and man, one person. We hammer that over and over, just a couple of verses. First uh, John two, uh, 4, 2 and 3, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh is not of God. Tremendous emphasis on his humanity. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now already in the world. But then you jump down here, just a few verses, 14, 15. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So a tremendous emphasis on the humanity of Christ in that chapter, at the same time on the deity of Christ as the Son of God in the same chapter. And we see this all over the place. I mean, this is just one example. It is really a big deal. You can kind of critique everything by Jesus Christ. In 2 John, he says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, 
related to the person of Christ, the work of Christ, does not have God. He abides in the doctrine of Christ as both the Father and the Son. So the doctrine of Christ is all essential. This is not uh, negotiable. We have to get Christ right. Uh, It's essential. Okay, any other thoughts in terms of verse 9? Yeah. Fully. So is, is he eternally human and eternally God? He is. So when, that was never something I really gave much thought to. It's just like, yeah, he came and was fully God and fully mm-hmm. man. That was how the sacrifice, that was the only way that he could be a proper sacrifice for us. But it, it, that thought gives such more, much more weight to the sacrifice that Christ made in becoming human. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of the glorification uh, when it says he's exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that every name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think his humanity now entered into that very glory of God. And he's exalted. His humanity was exalted. As God, he was always exalted. But now his humanity shares in that for all, for all eternity. Well, I want to qualify that because we're never going to be God. But we are going to be glorified. We are going to have a body like Jesus Christ has. Uh, We will know even as we are known. I mean, we are certainly going to be elevated. (laughs) But, you know, we'll never be God. So, yeah. Somebody else had a hand up? No? (laughs) Seeing things. (laughs) Okay. Let's continue on, verse 10. He continues his thought after emphasizing the fullness in him is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Uh, By virtue of our union with him, and this kind of gets to what we were talking about, Andrew, uh, you are complete in him, meaning we lack nothing. We lack nothing uh, spiritually. There's no second-class citizens, by the way, in God's family. You don't say, well, this one's kind of missing out, you know. (laughs) No, no, uh, you are complete, all of you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are complete. Uh, There's no deficiency. We all have eternal life. We all have the Spirit. We all have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We all have the inheritance We're all heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, and on and on. Uh, We are complete in Him. So we have everything we need. In Christ, we have everything. Nothing is left out. In Him, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. In a sense, we now share in His fullness, in a qualified sense. All the spiritual resources that are found in Christ, we now have access to so that we may be filled and lack nothing. All of our needs are fully met in him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. In union with Christ, we share in all that he is and all that he has, which is everything. I mean, we are joint heirs with Christ. For us, Christ is absolutely the full answer to everything. That's the point here in the context. By the way, 
complete here is in the perfect tense, uh, which is co- completed action with continuing results. So this is a permanent uh, reality here, a permanent condition. And uh, this word complete is an interesting word. It was used of a ship that is fully loaded, where you can't get any more on the boat. And so we are complete. We are fully loaded. You're all loaded, right? Fully. You're fully loaded people. Uh, We are complete. That's the idea. You you can't get any more. I mean, everything. When you think about what God has given us in Christ, it it is truly incredible. I don't think we'll ever get over it as uh, trophies of grace. Everything that we have in Jesus Christ. If we could see on the other side for just a second, I think it would forever change our perspective about everything. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh huh. Amen. It's that's it. Uh, you're right. I did have the same experience. You know, trying to get me to receive the second blessing or you know some extra power, uh, something. You know, and I remember even as a brand new Christian reading this verse and saying, "Hey." I'm complete in Jesus Christ. I didn't even understand all that meant. I still don't fully. But uh, it's clear that we're not deficient, that we're not missing out on anything. On the other hand, you think about it the other way. uh, You know, it talks about in him. You are complete in him. I mean, now you share in everything that belongs to Christ as, as heirs of, joint heirs with Christ. But what if you're not in him? Are you complete? What do you have? You're complete. You don't have anything, right? Vanity of vanities. Everything's van. It's all all worthless. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. There's no future. I mean, you're not complete at all. You don't have anything when it's all said and done if you don't have Jesus Christ. So this all relates to being in him. You can only claim this if you're in him. But if you're in him, you can claim completeness. All right. Any other thoughts? Yeah. You don't have to keep what? The law? Right. Christ is sufficient. Yeah, that's right. Romans 10, 4, right? Yeah, that's right. We are complete in Christ. Yeah, there's nothing, you know, as far as forgiveness, Christ has done everything for us. We're complete. As far as what we need, as far as spiritual power, we're complete. Uh, You can't think of anything where you say, well, I'm really kind of deficient. No, you're not. In terms of the spiritual treasures and riches that are available, you're not missing out on anything whatsoever. Yeah, uh, the charismatics are kind of missing it by striving after all of these things to try to get more. Uh, No, we just need to realize uh, who we are and what we have in Christ. Yeah, sure. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. There you go. That's a, that, and we all, none of us are living consistent with the truth that we know. 
even as believers. So we have come to know in saving faith. But we're growing. That's why Paul is exhorting them to continue on, to be established, to grow and to mature. So, yeah, it is a process as far as growth in terms of what, who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, to finish out here, he says, um, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Uh, he is not merely one of many superiors, right? He's the head overall, the head of all principality and power. I mean, we saw in chapter 1, he's the creator of all, sustainer of all. He's the head of all here, it says, uh, meaning he's over all. He is Lord over all. That's the idea. You know, sometimes maybe you have a situation at a business or something, and you might ask, or in the military, who's your superior, right? Somebody's above you. Uh, but when we come to Christ and we say, who's your superior, what's the answer? there is nobody over him. I mean, there is equality in the Godhead. Now, functionally, they have different roles. But uh, he is the head of all principality and power. A principality means rulers. Um, Again, it is used by Paul in Ephesians 6, 12 in relationship to angelic powers. And I wonder if that's not what he's got in mind here as as you continue on in the chapter down to verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward by taking delight in false humility, worship of angels, and so forth. So I think he has this on his mind in relationship to Gnostic thought. And he's saying, no, Christ is the head of all principality, all all rulers, all angelic realms out here. And power. Uh, Power relates to uh, realms of authority or, or power. Again, perhaps emphasizing the angelic realms of power. Well, is Jesus enough? Yes, he is sufficient. How sufficient? Well, completely sufficient. Everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Uh, Whoops. There we go. C.S. Lewis. Look for yourself and you find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Pretty good comprehensive statement here as far as where do you try to find meaning and purpose and satisfaction, uh, everything that we need as far as what we were designed for. Well, you find it only in Christ. You look to self and the theories of men, the traditions of the world and so forth. uh, It's not to be found there. All right. Very good. Good study tonight. Anybody else have any concluding thoughts? Okay. Very good. We are complete in Christ. Let's share some uh, prayer requests.